bi-weekly four. The bi-weekly four. I think we're going to have to change the name because this is becoming too much of a every two weeks rather than every week. But no, um, we're we... going to get back to it. Yeah, so. man. You're Listen, the good news is kids get older and they get a little bit less needy and they sleep a little bit more and things work out okay. Uh, as does the ice you were partaking from. Indeed. Just a reminder um, for all of our listeners out there, if you're listening to this, please subscribe if you haven't already. We appreciate it. And that way you can be alerted to whenever the bi-weekly forecast has another episode. If you subscribe, you will win a free notification from your podcast app to know when we publish something new. Um, and with an offer like that, who can refuse? Um, what can is I just tell you, by of- the way? Yeah. Oh, my beverage. Sorry, there's a bit of a delay. I'll slow my, I'll slow my roll. Today, I am drinking... Smoke Wagon Straight Bourbon Whiskey from Las Vegas, Nevada. Got it. Um, so can you just tell me? Go right ahead. I don't understand why so many people in this country, I think, don't say you're welcome. It drives me crazy. And I'm just noticing it more and more. You say thank you to people, and they just look at you. And it drives me nuts. Was there an event that took place where this occurred? Well, no. Kanye was sharing with me an experience in which someone said, you're welcome to her. And she was very, um, it, it, like, she noticed it. And so she mentioned it to me. And I was like, yeah, because most people don't say, you're welcome. Well, so when someone says thank you to you, say, you're welcome. I, I say a lot of the times like, oh, it was no problem. Or the, something like that also. I was talking to our listeners, but you too, Mr. Missner. No, but I'm just saying as an example, like you don't necessarily have to say you're welcome, but also can say it was like no problem to also make that person like feel like they didn't ask that much of you. But I feel like you're welcome like quantifies more than you did them a favor. So I wouldn't argue if you really want the person to feel bad, say no problem. Why, to, if you want the person to feel bad. No, if you don't want the person to feel bad, you say no problem. Like it wasn't a big ah. deal that you did something for them. Got it. Well, I think in the case where there's an expression of gratitude, the reciprocation and acknowledgement of that gratitude is better than dismissing it. Oh, I agree. I think, oh, yeah. I mean, I I kind of hear that as well. But I mean, it's also, I think, in case you, if it's something, I guess, I don't know. I can see both sides of it. Life is gray. That it is. Well, with with that, thank you for that. Um, no, you're welcome, really? Wow, unbelievable. I literally threw one right down the middle for you. Thank you. I was waiting for you to stop talking. <laughs> I did, I paused. I think you might have had a delay. I paused. It's so hard to tell. With the, uh, There's a serious delay, I think, because um, like I heard the delay, but like it wasn't long then and noticeable. So anyways, thank you, Mr. Mitzner. You're welcome, Mr. Levenstein. Um, we're going to get started with sports. Um, so the biggest thing in the news right now is Brian Flores, the former African-American coach of the Miami Dolphins. He was just let go. Is, bless you, Tanya. Um, um, is currently suing the NFL for saying um, it's kind of Rooney rule, which is the rule it has for coaches. Um minority coaches that at least one, if not two, have to be interviewed 
um, in the process before they hire a coach um, isn't being followed through, and he's suing the NFL for that, of, for a discrimination-based claim. Um, the interesting thing is he goes into kind of three experience, main experiences he discusses to this. I think each of them have um, a very interesting degree of, if even if true, what does it mean? So the first claim he has, I'm going to start from least big a deal to most big a deal. His first thing was that the Denver Broncos, when he interviewed the team to be their head coach a few years ago, um, John Elway and a couple of their other um, key decision makers on the team, general manager, um, showed up an hour late to his meeting and dr- and hung over, as he said. Like, the meeting was at 7.30 a.m. They showed up hungover as if they didn't take it seriously. Well, first of all, because you're hungover and you, had, you got drunk the night before, doesn't mean you don't necessarily take the thing seriously the next day you have. You're still showing up, but sometimes things happen in a given night and whatever. And I don't think it was because he was the African-American coach um, interviewing that that's why they did it. If you are trying to impress someone, it's definitely not the right way to go when you want them to be your coach. But at the same time, to, to, to equivocate that and kind of racism is, I think, a little nuts and extreme. And Denver had the strongest reaction to it. Like, we have detailed notes from that meeting. We took it seriously. We recur or completely different events. I don't even know why that was in there. But I guess he's trying to show a pattern. But I found that the weakest argument in his whole thing and kind of really kind of over spilled grapes. The second thing kind of in the middle is kind of what, um, what he used to kind of kick off the entire um, class action lawsuit because he's filing it on behalf of all African-American, I guess, minority coaches um, is against New York Giants because apparently um, Bill Belichick texted him that they already made the decision on who their head coach would be three days before they interviewed him. Um, and apparently Belichick texted the wrong Brian in his phone. <laughs> You literally can't make this stuff up. And that's the reason. So that's interesting because the rule is that you have to interview people, obviously, before you've kind of really made a decision. Um, And it's not supposed to just be just a throwaway thing where if you've already made the decision, then you interview somebody, um, whatever. And somebody else brought up how the Pittsburgh Steelers almost went with a different coach, um, then interviewed their current head coach, who's African-American, and went with him because he blew him away. So even if you think you're going to go with somebody – um, even if they blow you away, people do change their minds. So that one's gray a little bit. Um, I can see his perspective. I can see the other perspective, especially with that example. Fine. But then the big one is kind of his experience with the Miami Dolphins. So he went 10 and 6 with the Dolphins last year and then 9 and 8 this year and was fired. Normally, you don't fire a head coach to two positive 500 seasons, but that's not here nor there. But the biggest thing he said was that in 2019, when he first started, the owner of the Dolphins, Steve Ross, offered him $100,000 a year, sorry, a game for every game he lost. 100000 for every game he lost. Why? So if true, to, in order to get a better draft pick, because they were horrible. <laughs> if true, that is huge with competitive of the sport. And everybody's saying, if that is true, um, that they should make him have to sell the Miami Dolphins. Um, Did he again, accept the $100,000? That's one thing that hasn't been talked about, but it made it seem like he hadn't um, because if he had accepted it, um, then there's really proof when he could show literally a wire transfer or a check of a hundred grand, um, even though the team could say it was for something else. But if it wasn't in his contract, it's going to be hard to explain why uh, the team was it said in jest possibly was it said for real who knows, but um, 
if proven that it wasn't kind of said and just, and I'm sure that's the way the Dolphins are going to go, that could be a very interesting case. But that's more a case against competitive balance than, again, minority thing. So his minority thing, while, yes, the NFL could do probably a way better job with it and probably should make some changes to their minority hiring policy, what he has put together as an example of all this, it seems a little flimsy. Um, I guess the Giants case is probably the best example because he was supposed to be interviewed before they made a decision as part of their rules and regulations. But um, it's definitely a very interesting case. Um, And people are a lot of it comparing it to kind of what happened with Colin Kaepernick. Um, So I would love your opinion on this now that I've kind of laid out the situation. Yeah. I mean, there's so much that I want to pull out of this, but the the key thing to me is this is one of these things where you say, "Is the NFL racist?" and yeah, the, or has a racist a policy of not inclusion that goes against what they've said that they're planning on doing. And so the question really is, and let's just say objective as objectively as possible, the, you know, do you know who the coaches are that were hired instead of him? And then yeah, they're all white. Were they better coaches? That's subjective. Your opinion. Were they better coaches? Like, did, I don't know. Were they like here's, more qualified? The th- did they have more experience? Like, did they have a better track record? No, I don't know. probably they probably did not have as good a resume as he did. So he was ten years with the Patriots. As their so he had a better resume. You could make that argument, but yes, I, I you could easily make that argument. Right. Look, I mean, that's that's the bottom line is is that if you but it's a culture it as, and a fit. There's a lot of things that go into it for sure. And then the other thing I'll say is like. If you look at it and you say, well, are there more white coaches than black coaches? The answer is yes. There's, well, there's way more. Twenty nine, thirty one white NFL head coaches and one black NFL head coach. Yeah. So it's, you, you know, from that perspective, it's completely disproportionate. But then do you like, but, but, but what does that even mean? Okay. So that's the current uh, best coaches or the fit into the culture. And is there a problem maybe with the culture? Hundred percent. By the way, like yes, the culture at most of these football teams sounds like it's completely broken. So you know, you can say the culture needs to be fixed. Is it racist? The problem with saying that it's racist and saying that he didn't have opportunities is that it almost diminishes the people that actually suffer from racism and really don't have opportunities. Yeah, the NFL has a ton of coordinators, which is kind of the rung right below head coach, offensive and defensive coordinators that are African-American. So it's very interesting why more of them aren't getting positions to run these franchises. And if you yeah. look at the number of coordinators, I think it's like 25% of the NFL coordinators are, are minority, but literally it's almost like no of the head coaches. That should be somewhat proportional. Um, but also he's like saying like 70, the one they use is 70% of the players are African-American. You got to look at the general population. Like, you can't just use the players on the field and assume that every player on the field should be going into a coaching role. Being a player, being a coach, totally different things. 
but let's just go with just percentage, I guess, of the U.S. population that's African-American. I think it's kind of like between 15 and 20 percent. I'm not sure, Um, but way less than one out of 30, way more than one out of 32. Um, So so yeah. But on the other, so and so the other point is to say, does broken culture mean racist? And I, I believe the answer to that is no, right? So to say, is the culture at these teams broken? Yes. Is the culture in the NFL broken? Yes. Is it racist? It's hard for me to say yes to that. And it's easier for me to say it's not racist. And there's just a culture that, that needs to be fixed that, the, but the problem to say that is you say, okay, you need to basically like suffer because you're going to have to make structural changes in your organizations. You're going to have to make all these changes and, and do all of that versus continuing to be a capitalist driven profit focused operation. And I think that's probably difficult for any team to digest. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's the whole thing is fascinating. Um, and um, yeah, so that is something the NFL is now currently dealing with. It'll be interesting. Um, this is happening a week and a half before the Super Bowl. Also, the timing is insane of this thing. Um, yeah. So they've got a lot to deal with on that. And basically stay tuned and keep following the story because I'm sure there's going to be many, many more layers to this thing they peel back and as well as an NFL investigation, which I'm sure is upcoming, but literally it was filed kind of today. So today is the kickoff of a very interesting um, set of news for the NFL. The last thing they need a week and a half before their Super Bowl, especially since they don't really, I mean, the Rams are kind of a marquee team, but the Bengals certainly aren't. So this also has the potential to be not a high rated Super Bowl either. So um, I'll just add the, uh, the first thing that came to my mind was we need to fix the education system in this country because there needs to be a better way for people that live in neighborhoods and parts of this country that don't have a lot of opportunity to pursue opportunity outside of sports. Hmm. I I, I listen. They, they, it's hard to argue against that, but the NFL as a culture just—it's—it's it's, oh, it's no. crazy. It's bad. I agree. Um, moving on, the other big NFL news story this week was Tom Brady's retirement, crazy. the greatest player of all time. I literally was at the Super Bowl. Super Bowl thirty-eight was I was seventeen years old. He already won his second title then, and now I am thirty-five years old, and eighteen years later. He he retired and last year. He won a Super Bowl. I mean, the, his career, his legacy, seven Super Bowl rings, more, more than any other player in history, three more than any other starting quarterback in history, um, all-time leader in passing yards, passing touchdowns. I mean, he's by far the greatest quarterback to ever play in the NFL. It's interesting. There's a big thing if he's the greatest athlete of all time. When I think athlete, I think of like pure physical performance, like Jordan or – um, Bo Phelps. Jackson or Usain Bolt, Phelps, Phelps in the water is an example. So I don't really think. I mean, Brady's not an athlete, but greatest football player and definitely greatest quarterback of all time. Um, and apparently, also kind of um, from I have a couple of people that sort of know him, friends of friends, and say that he literally is also a humble, like a humble, like 
decent guy considering he, with all that fame and um, the fact that he is the greatest, um, like other people who are known to that are known to be kind of standoffish or not that generous or not that um, affable, but apparently he is all of that. So I think um, that's also another nice thing to hear. Um, so it's um, it's a sad day for the NFL. I thought he would play one more year, especially since he, I think, led the NFL in passing yards this season, which is insane at 44 years old. Um, and he literally beat Father Time and left on his own terms, not because of injury, not because he was horrible anymore. Um, and kind of an incredible, incredible career. Why did he resign? Retire to spend, I think, more time with his family. I think he's 44. And like, even though his body was holding up well, you don't never know what the next hit could take you. Uh, I think his family was just kind of like enough already. And he has created a whole huge brand, TB12 Interests. And he's got tons of other things to go focus on as well. So it's not like he's going to have nothing to do. Nice. Yeah. He, yeah, like watching him play football was really like nothing else, especially when he was younger. But, you know, always basically it was pretty amazing. And watching the Patriots win all those Super Bowls was pretty nuts. Um, so it definitely was. Uh, I'm not a big sports fan, as you know, but um, I always enjoyed watching him play. So it's uh, it was great to watch him play, and it's good to see him, like you said, sort of leave on his own terms and just go to focus on his family and making more money. Yeah, and um, listen, what what's better than that? Like, think about it. Like, not much. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. So it's a credit to him. Uh, Mr. Brady, we wish you the best of luck on all of your endeavors from Joe and Stephen. And thank you for all the games that you let us watch. I know you can't say you're welcome to me right now, but I'm sure that in your head you're saying you're welcome. I'm sure that's exactly what he's doing right <laughs> at this moment. Uh, the one thing I love about you, Mr. Levenstein, is that you, you try to think what other people are thinking and you're probably completely <laughs> off. <laughs> thank you um, so that brings us to our next topic uh, the Winter Olympics opens this Friday so the least publicity I've ever seen for an Olympic Games is going into this I don't know if it's because of anything going on in the world but like nobody's talking about it I don't know if it's because like a lot of the US is like not showing up because of COVID, because of other reasons. My first question is, Joe, do you know where the Olympics is? The Winter Olympics is being hosted. China. Which city? Oh, come on, dude. You have to know which city. It's not that many cities that can host a winner. Beijing. That is correct. Woohoo! So because of America and China relations. Voice. Yes, you were <laughs> Sounded very positive because of the relations kind of going on between the two, the two countries. Um, I think a lot of American um, um, agencies are not going over there to um, cover it in terms of news organizations, which I do not have a problem with, but, and it already started. The U S has already lost in a round Robin mix curling, a national catastrophe, but I know how much you take pride in your Canadian curling. So it's get, it's about to get started. So get excited, Mr. Levenstein. Let's get our curl on. Um, so uh, stay tuned for Winter Olympics. We'll be talking about that a lot more, hopefully in our next podcast in terms of surprises, stories coming out of there. Um, but the Winter Olympics starts this Friday night. So um, at my, at my company, yeah. um, 
we have this thing where on Tuesday we have like a office lunch and we do what we call is one big thing. And it actually came up that when we were talking about, so we just go through a bunch of different topics. And um, one of the topics was apparently at the winter Olympics, all of the snow is synthetic, is synthetic, uh, man-made, not synthetic, man-made. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how much snow China gets. Apparently not enough. So <laughs> all the snow at all the events are, is going to be man-made snow. Man-made. That's pretty uh, incredible when you think about it. Well, what you mean the um, egotism of man to say that it's man-made snow when in reality they're using water that was not made by man? Um, I'll see it up however you like, Trebek, but um, I'm not sure why anybody would be surprised by that like that that's how what russia's doing so i mean china i apologize i'm so used to sochi but i mean why not take credit for something that you have no business taking credit for exactly so that is the book to look forward to so today's also groundhog's day today's february 2nd 2022 poxitani phil Saw his shadow, meaning six more weeks of winter. And God is the accurate where the half of the U.S. is under blizzard effects. We're about to get a giant cold snap. We're going to have a freeze in Houston, Texas, um, which is really insane because it's going to be literally 80 degrees in Florida, in, in literally central Florida tomorrow. Um, and it's going to be like 35 degrees here tomorrow night or f- below freezing, like 30. Um, and it's right. just... Um, just it feels like this winter is just never ending. I mean, it started late, but it really feels like a shift. Like this is February 2nd and Texas is having a freeze. It happened in February of last year, but December was like 80 degrees here. So it really feels like there's kind of been a seasonal shift. November, December are a lot warmer than usual and February and March are a lot colder here than usual. So, um, um, but you sound other- like, you sound like, a. a- um, you're in. You're inferring that there's some change in our climate or something. Um, I think it's hard for anybody not to say there's some climate change. What they attribute it to, I think different people could have potentially different ver- various opinions on. But I think to say that this is the exact same climate from 20, 25 years ago, I don't think anybody really agrees with that. There's, you can say it's the natural cycle of things, or you could say it's man-made, but this is definitely, there has been a change, so... Before we dive into that, oh, a brief. Um, before we dive into that, are you familiar with, and I'm for sure pronouncing this wrong, so I apologize to all of our listeners in Georgia, Beauregard Bowley. Beauregard? Beauregard Bowley. No. Georgia's famous groundhog has made his weather forecast. Oh, what does he say? <laughs> so this is also a work thing but apparently there's conflicting groundhogs Bo emerged from his home in Jackson on Groundhog Day and did not see his shadow oh yeah means- Puxa Tawny Phil is the classic one You, I mean everybody Only I highly recommend Bill Murray. exactly and Groundhog Day great underrated movie um, highly recommend everybody watching that today even though today the concept repeats itself so it's like the pandemic um, so apparently um, Tanya and my boss have the same face up feed of information because it was my boss who posted in our random team chat about Georgia's Groundhog Day. Um, 
So while Pakistani pill Phil or whatever is famous from the movie Groundhog Day, um, apparently in Georgia, they just don't they just don't respect his authority. Um, yeah, he's a northeasterner. Um, so yeah, yeah, of course not. A Yankee, um, a Yankee groundhog. Um, yeah, the South shall not replace us. <laughs> um, and by the way, and in terms of the climate change, what I think, right, because all the weather patterns that we basically experience are a result of the Gulf Streams, and the Gulf Streams are just these air rivers, as how I think about them. And I, I listen, you could be right that like maybe like there's been some change because the icebergs have shifted and the glaciers have shifted and that changed the Gulf Streams enough that like maybe each year around February, we're going to get this Arctic blast that comes in for a few days. Sometimes it's colder. Sometimes it's less cold. Iceberg dead ahead. Um, are, you um, yeah. referring to, are you referring to the ice in my bourbon? No, I was referring to the famous movie Titanic. Um, but <sighs> that sounds lovely. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty, um, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I just want to quickly move on, but though the other reason why I want to mention it is apparently Bill de Blasio last year killed the groundhog in New York. He like dropped it and killed it. <laughs> um, literally that might as well just sum up his entire legacy as mayor. Killed a groundhog. That guy um, was the worst. Unintentionally. Literally. The best was watching Andy Cohen on New Year's Eve dot, like drunkenly dive into how bad de Blasio was. It's like the one thing Democrats and Republicans agreed on, de Blasio was awful. Uh, so awful. By the way, New Los City. Angeles is pretty bad also. Like I was assuming about this in the Super Bowl. I just saw a thing about like homelessness in Los Angeles and how it's like oh, basically I was just like, there for a conference literally a week and a half ago and it's insane. Downtown, downtown. Yeah, downtown yeah. LA. It's nuts. I was there a couple of years ago. It was, all right. it was awful. Like you couldn't really walk on the streets once it got dark. Yeah. So, um, yeah, our, our, our cities are, um, our, our cities need some help. Downtown Houston has gone really bad. Like if you go up even by 59, um, there's like not pleasant. The situation was bad before and it seems to just be getting worse. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, I don't really go anywhere when I'm downtown anymore because I just sort of go into my office, work, and then come back. Um, but, uh, it's not, I mean, and then even if I do go out, I go out in the tunnels, but, um, it's really not, uh, it's not pleasant. Yeah, it's, it's. Uh, we, we don't have time to dive into homelessness, unfortunately. This one. We're going to keep moving on. But yeah, it's something that all these, especially these Democratic cities, um, need to figure out because it's not just it's a mental health problem. It's There's there's a lot of different reasons for it, but there are a lot of issues. So, yep. Moving on. It's also the 100th anniversary of the publishing of Ulysses by James Joyce. Um, what? So two cool facts about that. One, um, all-time classic book that I have never read. And I might, have you read it? No. Bless you, Tanya. Oh boy, two two sneezes. Do we have go for three? No. She's sneezing at the truth. Um, I never read it. Neither have you. And um, you also grew up in Israel, so not expected. But I don't know why more kids don't have to read in kind of high school. I um, I did not have a chance to Google it, but very famous book. And the second cool thing is 
that um, it was published on his 40th birthday. So he would have been 140 today. So pretty cool to have a the most famous work that you're known for also be published on your birthday. It was probably a huge deal in 1922. So that's a fun way to celebrate your birthday is to publish an all-time great book. I don't know if anyone's going to publish uh, a book about me on my 40th birthday. Although you never well, know. You- it's, 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 Ulysses isn't about himself. He wrote the book. So you can write a book and get it published on your birthday. It doesn't have to be about you. Ah, okay. You have time. You have a year and a half to write the great American novel. Joseph Levenstein on his 40th birthday publishes the book no one wants to read. I the, mean, the great American novel. The epitome of the wandering Jew. Ay. Um, so I just thought that was a cool history on this day moment. Uh, the other thing that I saw on this day, Farrah Fawcett would have been 75, may she rest in peace, and Christy Brinkley, um, 68. So this is another thing we've kind of talked about in reference before, but when I saw that they both had birthdays on this day, the two things I think about is these are two of the most beautiful women of all time, especially in their eras, um, kind of the 1980s. Like Farrah Fawcett's poster in the red swimsuit is... Um, probably one of the most famous posters of all time. Christy Brinkley um, ages better than any human has a right to, but Farrah Fawcett died young from cancer. I think Christy Brinkley's already been married four times. So it just shows you, like, when people look at these outward looks, literally every person in the world would probably have loved to have dreamed to be them or be married to them. Their lives aren't necessarily all this glamour and glitz that people see in public. Like, I guarantee you, even if Christy Brinkley looks incredible right now, I guarantee you four divorces are not easy on a person. And Poe Farrah Fawcett never got to really live into um, her old age. Um, yeah. So it's just, um, I feel like, especially this has gotten even worse nowadays with people just idolizing celebrities and Instagram and pictures and everything, not realizing that, um, uh, that, that, um, that life is not that easy. And, and, and your wife with her nose blowing, I mean, is another example of a beautiful woman who has something going on in her, her world and life that maybe a lot of people think it's all glamour, but she's got a really bad runny nose. So our yes. listeners, I hope find it hilarious as you do. I thought they could be like, God, that audio on that podcast <laughs> it's so strange i'm in my studio i don't understand <laughs> can't believe there are any interruptions in this house oh, but, yeah, she, man. but yeah uh christy brinkley has been divorced four times so most famously obviously about billy joel who wrote uptown girl uh, about her um, um but um it, it's 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 kind of um and i kind of want to take your take on it how do we kind of as a community try to show that i mean a couple of people have done it like showing themselves without makeup like the supermodels that like not everything is the glamour that you see but how do we do as a generation to have people focus on the important aspects of a person rather than just outward appearance a hundred percent so i do think there's a balancing act to that right the sort of the difference between like looking composed and put together and presentable um, versus like obsessing over the material. And I honestly think that a lot of that starts from what you were just talking about, where we like idolize celebrities. 
um, I used to be very like into celebrities, I guess, at like some point, and I've grown away from that. Where like I love Robert De Niro and like you know actors for like their art, but like as people, I couldn't care less. Not that I don't care. Like I, don't, I care about them as humans, but it's like I don't care that Robert De Niro goes to get Starbucks somewhere. And if I saw him somewhere, <laughs> I would probably be like, Mr. De Niro, I want you to know, heat changed my life. And I would leave it at that. Um, that's so. The first part of it really is that idolizing of, of celebrities because you're either worshiping them in these movies where it's completely staged. Um, or you're deriving some like weird, sick, like pleasure from them, like being humans in the real world. And so either of those are unhealthy and it's usually both. And then I'm going to go back to materialism, right? Just, you know, plain good old fashioned materialism where people are so obsessed with like the car, the trip, the, this, the, that, and, um, everyone just loses sight of like what actually matters. Um, so as a society, I think, you know, this goes back to actually what I was saying earlier. Like, I think a big part of it is on education. And I think, you know, we can only do so much. So I think within our community, I do think that a big part of it is what type of example we are setting for our children. And, and again, I think it's okay to say to them, you want to look dressed appropriately and put together and not look like a slob. Um, you want to be presentable and respect yourself. Um, take care of your body, take care of everything, but equally take care of your mental health and take care of your nutrition, which I fail at but all of those. Um, <laughs> so I guess leading by example, I sort of dropped off a cliff on that one. But, you know, that's, that's I think, what we can do is, like, you know, at least focus on not just our children but our community, but uh, starting with our children and out to our community on prioritizing where it really matters. And that what really matters is the notion of you know going out into the world and just doing better for others and uh, you know making the world a better place um i i'm just you're just missing your god bless america elect me president in 2024 speech um but yes i wasn't, I wasn't born in this great country of yours so i'm gonna just like, have to stand how about the elect me senator or governor let's go with that um, <laughs> Um, I mean, but, it's really just morality. That's what yeah. it comes down to. Yeah, and it's that's kind of what's been lost a little bit lately, and we just have to kind of... Uh, I guess it's a lot of it, it probably starts with the famous people, but politicians too, media outlets, and kind of just calling out also, I think, both sides. Because celebrities, there's only so much they can do, and they're pretty, but if we, again, it comes back to what we keep talking about, if there was a media organization that called out bullcrap on both sides left and right and horrible stuff if there was just some moderate kind of driving force of morality um again nobody's perfect but no nope. kind of but we are our media news and outlets are not even being close to um to trying to figure out the truth or anything even close to that so yeah yeah um moving on to our next topic so um also this week, Justice Stephen Breyer is retiring from the Supreme Court and President Biden now has a nomination to fill on the Supreme Court. And he is already committed to putting the first African-American woman, assuming she gets confirmed by the Senate, onto the Supreme Court. Um, that will probably happen because 
um, they'll make sure to have somebody that the two Democratic senators won't have an issue with, um, a more moderate uh, person that will get confirmed. Um, but what's interesting to me is, and a lot of people brought this up, like African-American, fine, there's never been a woman. Um, African-American woman on the court makes a lot of sense, but you've got a lot of other qualified people. Shouldn't it just be the best qualified person for this role, not necessarily somebody who happens to be an African-American woman? If the African-American woman is the most qualified, fine. So it's kind of like almost people are saying it's kind of like um, what was big in the 80s and 90s, affirmative action by putting that on the court. Also, it's not like we've ever had an Asian woman on the court or an Asian-American, I think, at all um, on our Supreme Court. Like, there's a whole other group also in this country that's never had um, anybody on the court. So um, I, I hear both sides and both points to that. I don't think it's that big of a deal as other people do, the fact that he wants to put the first African-American because I'm sure there are qualified people. And there is no definition and prerequisite of what makes a great Supreme Court justice. People all have different resumes. They all, and it's a subjective thing. Um, and um, I, I, I truly don't see what this big to do is the fact that, um, and my favorite part is as soon as this was announced, I got messages from Democrats and Republicans trying to fundraise to either make sure we can get this person confirmed or make sure this person is never confirmed, which is amazing. <laughs> all these people care about is money. And it's like, send us money and we'll, it's ridiculous. It's by senators. It's, just every time anything of any political consequences comes a money grab for some of these uh, committees. So, yeah, I mean, yes, it's all about money. The most, so Bill Burr, you know, Bill Burr. Yep. He's cold as ice. The comedian. He has a skit on this where the skit is about uh, the first first husband okay when he starts the skit he goes so you know at some point a woman is going to be elected president and the crowd goes nuts and he goes what's wrong with all of you you don't even know what her platform is all you hear is a woman president and y'all just start clapping oh she has the same genitals as me and yeah and then he's like you know then he just goes on to make fun of like what the first uh, husband will be like but that's, you know, I mean, you, you touched on this well, like the most qualified person, no doubt that anyone's going to be nominated to the Supreme Court and pass all of that and actually get approved is going to be a highly qualified person. <sighs> the question that I come in, that I come in this from two, two different angles. One is both are cynical. One is cynicism of president biden as to whether or not like what what is his intention is his intention of doing this because he wants to be remembered as the guy who put the first black female supreme court justice in or is he doing it because he believes that this is important that this change happens and so he has the opportunity to implement it and he's going to implement it regardless of the consequences very different equations I, he, he ran out of on his platform too he said that, when he was campaigning that he would put he's the first, a politician there politicians are like yeah, but but this is an easy thing for him to do what's where is his downside here there is no downside for him the right. only downside is is that the other side of it which is the most qualified person whatever that means and whatever that incorporates is who should be 
the next nomination. Now, um, when tr- Donald Trump, when President Trump was nominating judges, I'm sure there was a political agenda there. So maybe this is just the norm. And so in, in the case of President Biden, his political agenda is putting someone that's black and female as uh, as a justice. And then, you know, not that that's fine, but that's sort of the norm. And so just the same way as people made a big deal out of every single one of President Trump's nominations and how horrible they were, people are going to do the same thing here. And it's just the same thing over and over again. And, and, and so from that perspective, I don't get too excited about this because, um, you know, all the noise is sort of blown out of proportion. And, you know, my only question is sort of the motivation. And again, I get the political agenda, but I'm curious from a person's perspective, is this that he genuinely believes in this and this is his opportunity to make that change. And that's a big deal in a person's life. And I, applaud him for that well it's or it's is legacy it i want to be remembered at yeah. well and but those well they're not mutually exclusive but Correct. i guess the question is what's the primary motivator right is it to make that change and say we got this done and now you know hopefully this leads to other you know good things or is it just i want to be the guy who did this and that's how i want people to remember when they look back on joe biden he's the guy that you know prevented or started world war three and nominated the first uh, female uh, Supreme Court justice, uh, black female Supreme Court justice. I think he's hoping that the latter will um, propel him um, also to get out also the black vote in 2024. Um, because look, I put the first, it's a great campaign speech. I put the first black Supreme Court justice out. I mean, I also think this may be one of the only campaign promise that he made that he will fulfill so far um i don't know that i'm i just don't i don't think anything else has really gone all that well for him so and i granted we're only like a year and a bit in so i you know gotta be fair to the guy but um that's other part but hey listen i mean my perspective is is that um Previous presidents all played the same game when it came to nominating Supreme Court justices. There was a strategic political agenda to whoever they nominated. Correct. President Biden is doing the exact same thing. Yeah. And that's just fine because apparently that's just how the system here works. And truthfully, that's how the system works everywhere. Anywhere where they're nominating these roles and it's till the end of their lives, basically. Um, There's a political agenda when it comes to the nominations and who eventually becomes fills the role. So just noise. I mean, yeah, but it'll it'll be very interesting. I can't imagine somebody being like, um, uh, like, pissed that. Oh my God, how could you have? Um, There's definitely people that be angry. Racists will be angry about. No, this. but not not his supporters. I'm saying I don't know how he loses anything with his supporters. Oh no, I mean no. like this is literally um, like feeding your supporters red meat. Yeah, 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 and and it's nice. To, I mean, again, like. I guess there's a third element. So one is, you know, legacy. Let's put in a, I'll put in a positive spin. Right. He's building his legacy. He's implementing change on an agenda that he believes strongly in. Um, so, you know, and then it's, I don't remember what the third was, but anyway, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's going to be very, very interesting what happens um, both in the midterms and in the presidential election in terms of what, um, how Biden 
um, the, how the Democrats do, and then Biden even runs again in 24. You have also, like, is he looking at this as his long-term legacy or knows that, like, wow, after this, I'm probably done. So um, it's pretty crazy. Hmm. We shall see. Moving on to our next topic. Um, so there was a giant um, change at CNN. Jeff Zucker, who had been running CNN for years, resigned today because of an inappropriate relationship with a female subordinate that he did report to HR. Um, the best part is about this is that they claimed it's sudden COVID and the New York Daily News literally ran that, like, spoken to a lot of people at CNN off the news that this has been going on for years, and that it just finally came out, and that this whole started during COVID is all BS. And <laughs> people are pop, like, he resigned, and people are pissed that she's still working there um, in her position as a result. So um, it's just another scandal to, heat C- to hurt CNN and kind of takes us into our next topic. It's kind of a uh, great transition that uh, Joe Rogan is more trusted by the general public than CNN is. Um, And uh, we're going to get into that in a minute, but it's really kind of the downfall of a once great news organization that has kind of just shifted away from a kind of moral center and has become just as bad as kind of the other organizations. CNN used to be kind of the middle. MSNBC on the left, Fox News on the right, CNN in the middle. And it's just literally become a place with very little morality and a giant leftward shift. So... Um, just another organization media outlet that um, Americans don't know where to turn to or trust. So it's funny because, um, yeah, like I mean, CNN was the first, and to me, CNN. When I if I think about it, I go right to the Gulf War because. In the first Gulf War, like CNN was it. CNN was there on the ground. You had like Walter Cronkite or whoever it was. Um, not Walter Cronkite. Uh, no, Ted Koppel. Ted Koppel was a good one. In yep. like Saudi Arabia or whatever. But like CNN were like rolling with the tanks. And same thing in the second Gulf War. But um, to me, that's like what CNN was. Like they were, you know, doing satellite coverage of a war in real time. And, um, and and that was sort of where they to me that's where they started, but you know that was the that was the genesis of it. But you know it's it's interesting because when you were talking, it got me thinking about like principles versus like a what did you say moral compass? As I was, I mean, mm-hmm. and it's it's actually a really good differentiation because principles, right? The principle of the matter is is when you do things that are irrational because it's the principle of the matter. The moral compass is what keeps an organization true to its values and true to its purpose. And it's really hard to stay true to that. I see that, you know, in in business every day that um, it's something that every probably organization struggles with. And this is the result of, at least in my opinion, of losing that moral compass. And I'm basing this purely on their production of news that, you know, I remember when I was younger and my mom was like, how can you watch CNN? It's such some garbage. And I was like, yeah, but like compared to the BBC and compared to Sky News and compared to well, what we didn't have an MSNBC or any of that stuff in Israel, but like compared to those other ones, I'm like CNN is like relatively decent towards Israel. But over the years, what has changed, I think, 
on these news channels is that they've gone away from reporting the news to these talk shows of these panels of, and Fox does it also and MSNBC, these panels of five or six people that are just basically doing what we're doing, but on like a much bigger scale and with a lot more like um, toxicity and negativity. I mean, the view, by the way, where Whoopi Goldberg got up in front of the United States of America and basically said that the Holocaust wasn't about uh, racism. Um, it wasn't. All it is... All, all it is is a group of people sitting around a table yapping at each other in front of a camera and people cheering them on. All these talk shows are the same thing. And I think that's where this, um, this, this, this uh, div- divisiveness came from. Um, you know, when they were just one person sitting in front of the camera telling you the news, um, that was, you know, more factual. That's what CNN was. Like, Wolf Blitzer would go and ask some questions of someone, but like overall, it was a person talking and telling you the news. And the news channels just aren't that anymore. Anytime I turn on a news channel, there's five people screaming at each other, or screaming at the camera, or screaming about something. And that's not to me. That's not what the news. Now maybe I'm just an old man at this point, which is sort of sad because I'm not even forty yet. But that's what I think has really changed. And if this guy was behind that, then. Um, I say to a certain extent, good riddance. Obviously, he's a person that thinks that the rules don't apply to him. Every employee handbook that at any company or most companies will say, if you have a relationship with a subordinate, just let us know. He didn't let them know. He didn't follow the rules. So he resigned. But if he was the one that brought on this whole, like these round tables of people just yelling and screaming at each other and dividing humanity amongst itself, like, okay, well, Bye. It's um, it's 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 just a sad state of affairs. I don't know how to say it other than that. But um, yeah. So just and and moving on to kind of Joe Rogan, who's going to save the day, under fire because of his COVID reporting and having people on there were COVID and people people these left musicians were pissed at him on Spotify and they were going to throw their music. Literally, he's like the most valuable thing Spotify has. <laughs> Literally, they pay him. I think he's got some ridiculous fifty million dollar a year contract, something insane. Um, and like, so they they pulled these like random artists from their website, like the I mean from their service platform. Nobody cares. Um, and um, but it's just interesting. Like he and, and he's not a he's just trying to bring people in on his show that make for interesting banter that people will listen. Now, he has said he was definitely going to bring people more on both sides of things. Sometimes maybe he skews a little bit more to the right than to the left. Um, um, but, like, nobody told Joe, said that Joe Rogan can't talk with people who are COVID-19 debaters and doctors that say COVID-19 and don't do, I mean, people at a certain point in time, he's not a news outlet. He's bringing on interesting people to talk about stuff. Take that for what it's worth. The problem with this country is that Every time somebody hears something from from something that they follow or listen to, they take it as gospel. It's like the loss of a well-manufactured thought process um, that just because you follow something doesn't mean they're always 100% right. I think there's another side to it also. Love to hear. And initially, I okay, I'm going to keep this more objective. And so I'm going to table my own political perspective. And I'll say that there's an occasion where you talk to people 
and you share your opinion on something or and they tell you that you're wrong and all joe rogan is doing is sharing his opinion the fact that people believe him and take it at gospel that's on them more than anything else but he's very clearly just sharing his opinion his thoughts just like you and i are doing right we're sharing our opinions we're sharing our thoughts now yeah we could be wrong you could disagree with us more happy you listen but yeah it's we're not telling anybody how to live their lives correct and so the problem is is that when people hear someone else's opinion that they don't like and they say or or that they disagree with and they say you're wrong um that's where you start sliding towards dystopia right because then you basically say there's only one right opinion. And the whole point of this country is that I'm entitled to my opinion. I'm not allowed to cause you harm. I'm not allowed to discriminate against you. But I can have whatever opinion I want. And you actually are not allowed to discriminate against me because of my opinion. And to a certain extent, I feel like we've lost that. We've lost that notion that people are entitled to their opinions. And, you know, if your, opinion, if your opinion is offensive, that's your right. Now, if you go and try to do something that's illegal or you know, barbaric or inhumane because of your opinion, then we have a problem. But people are entitled to their opinions. And um, to, to come at, and, and I don't think Joe Rogan needs us to come to his defense, but like, the fact that there was such, a, such an uproar and such a, um, a lynching of him because of his opinions, because of people's opinions of his coverage, and then all automatically making their opinion of his coverage the absolute truth. Like, that's just what's so broken with how people think about things. And I think you actually touched on a really interesting point. Critical thinking is lost. I think morality is one part, but more recently, and I'm, I'm retraining myself actively on a daily basis to do more critical thinking because I think that critical thinking has been lost in society as well. Um, yeah, it's, um, it, it's a lot of fluff. It's a lot of just everything you believe in and there's a lot of surface stuff, but in terms of like deep thinking about issues, it's, it's gone. Um, I just, I'm sorry to move this a little forward, but we have one last topic. We have about five minutes left. So today is two, two twenty two. So I'm curious because this doesn't happen again for 11 years. So what do you think when you think of 3333, which is a decade, a year, a month, and a day from now when all these numbers will line up again? So um, I'll tell you after you go what my first thought was, but I'd love to hear your first thought without because you didn't see this before of what does 3333 mean to you? So obviously we'll still be recording our podcast. <laughs> Let's hope so. That would be great. Jews don't hope. I believe that we will still be recording our podcast. Okay. So my booby always said, Jews don't hope. We believe. Um, the first thought that came into my mind was, well, where are my kids going to be? Um, and the answer is, grown-ass adult to like late-stage teenager, which is crazy. So um, that was the first thing that came to my mind. Um, then I started thinking about your kids and being like, oh, I wonder where your kids are going to be. Yeah, so hopefully we're all still hanging out. And that's where I left it. Um, so interesting. 
Um, I thought, um, first thing, literally my kids, I thought about their ages. Um, my son will be 16 years old, uh, I think sophomore in high school. Uh, Kate will be uh, 13 and a half, I guess. Yeah, 11, it's 11 years from now, so yeah. And then, um, and Haley, literally, who is two months old, will be getting ready for her bat mitzvah. Um, and that's kind of just insane. And it's amazing because in one one eleven, if you were to do it that way and go back in time 11 years ago, I don't know if I could have imagined I wasn't married yet. I um, was, I think, what did I, yeah, I was in graduate school at Columbia and I had, I, I, I don't, I, I think I would have liked and been happy with my future, but there was definitely far from a certainty at the time. But when I think about 11 years, I'm very happy the place I'm in 11 years after where I was 11 years ago. So um, I'm very happy of where I was compared on one one eleven to where I am on two two twenty two. So hopefully three three thirty three will be even better than that. So I will say that in the reverse, I would, if you ask me, or are you going to be living in Houston, Texas? I'd be like, oh, Houston? No, why would I be living there? <laughs> um, but I agree with you. We've come a long, long way together, baby. Through the it, hard times and the good. Uh, th- thank you, thank you, um, Jimmy World, right? Praise you, Jimmy World. Yeah. We have to praise you like that. No, Fatboy Slim. Fatboy Slim. There you go. Yeah. Thank you, Fatboy Slim. That's uh I think that's a that's a good place to 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 kind of leave off for the evening. Um, any final last comments, thoughts? Just if you're still listening, you better subscribe. <laughs> or why? Like, if you're still listening at this point, don't subscribe. Are you a masochist? <laughs> <laughs> I don't enjoy this enough to listen to this again, but I'm still listening 58 minutes in. So um, um, thank you to our listeners out there. We look forward to hopefully going back to the weekly for next week. I'm Mr. Levenstein. It is just after midnight central time here in Houston, Texas. I bid you a good evening. Good evening, sir. And uh, to all our listeners out there, thanks again for listening and have a great week. Good night. <laughs>